0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Real quick, before you get into it, um, some updates with All I Need. Let me see. If you head to allineedskate.com, click on the store link at the top, you can check out all our skateboards and apparel. Um, we got our new Hobo Series decks up there, made in the USA. This artwork came out amazing. Peter James Glenn has been crushing it. Um, this is by far one of my favorite series. Uh, please check it out, just to see the art at the very least, even if you're not trying to cop anything. Also, we have the new World Industry decks available on our site now. Uh, World didn't want to sell it on their site, so I just cop some and put it on skate.com so the people on the internet could get them. Once again, this is Peter James Glen Art. Came out amazing. Uh, Fear and Loathing deck is sick with Flamboy and Wet Willie. Uh, yeah, once again, just check them out, head to the site. We also have a brand new all I need cap. Uh, this is a two-tone hat and it has a let me see what let me see how to say this. Adjustable slide closure with brass buckle and grommet so the back you know it's got the strap with the metal enclosure this thing is mint dude please check them out it's embroidered right here in taunton man also we have we have our hometown hoodie this thing's super warm especially if you're uh, buried like i am in new england we just got about a foot of snow yesterday i shoveled three different times My back and legs. The problem was that I skated the day before pretty hard. And I didn't really think about having to shovel all day the next day. So I was already sore going into it. And then I've just been out there fucking... I was out there fucking shoveling three different times. Thank God uh, the good homie Jeff came by and Barth to help out. And some homie in the truck with the plow truck came by and... Right at the end, after I had already dug it out, but he, uh, cleared the end of our driveway and pushed it all out of the way, which really helped. That was so cool. I didn't even know who it was. But I just yelled, I was like, you good looks! And he fucking honked and broke out. Uh, we also have our Grandison beanie, which is an epically warm beanie. Uh, I used it yesterday. This thing is, uh, it's for those that are gonna be in snow and you need to cover up those ears. It's really, really warm. I love this beanie. It, it saves me in the winter. So, But yeah, please, just go to allineedskate.com. Check out all our apparel and skateboards. And cool thing is, if, you're, if you see something you like and you feel like copping something, uh, it directly helps support this show as we are listener-funded. F- so uh, yeah, it's a very cool way to do it, I feel. It's a new way of doing it. I've had sponsors in the past and I felt like some pressure to like not say certain things, and it just felt wrong. Not that I wouldn't have any sponsors in the in the future, but it'd have to be the right fit and make sense, and I would not want to jeopardize the show so my way of trying to combat that and keep the show going and keep it funded so I can afford to do it because I need the time to get free to do it. Uh, is to be listener funded. So if anybody out there feels like the show brings them any value or likes it uh, and they cop something from all I need then that helps everything out. And if you don't have any money and you're not trying to cop, that's fine too. The show's free. I'm going to try to keep this podcast free for forever if possible. So don't even worry about it. Our guest, today, is Ian Mich- Michna. I believe that's how you say it. He says it at the end, but I believe it's Ian Michna. And he is the founder of Jenka Mag. which, um, if you haven't checked out, please head to jankamag.com. They have so much epic content. He's been killing it forever too, man. So yeah, check it all out. And, uh, Here's the 2018. We're going to have a great year. And thank you guys for all the support. Let's get it. Let's make these dreams happen, motherfuckers. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> drive, 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 prosper, 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 I
1: was like, yo, yeah, this is
0: crazy. Like, I, 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 I gotta get on it. I just love the skating in the scene. Rain, rain, go away. All I need is a skateboard today. Or today. Or today.
1: This is The Shetler Show featuring professional skateboarder, podcaster, and All-I-Need Skate Founder, Anthony Shettler. So everyone was, it was hot. Everyone was doing it.
0: Yeah, they're looking for their dad's fucking metal skateboards in the garage.
1: Yeah, like, exactly.
0: Yeah. on this thing. <laughs>
1: Each episode brings you amazing discussions with interesting people from all walks of life. Kind of when skateboarding clicked for me, and you learn some tricks or whatever, and you get that appreciation from your peers, you know, the other skaters are like, holy shit, like, yeah, dude, that's rad.
0: Admiration. Yeah, Yeah, the admiration, the, the affirmation.
1: Real recognition.
0: If I didn't experience those
1: crazy moments in my life, then these great moments would never be as great as they have been. Honestly, like for me, I just loved it. Like I saw those dudes, I saw those videos and I was like,
0: holy fuck, this is sick. Yeah. This is what I want to do. First, thanks for coming on, man.
1: Dude, thank you. It's, uh, you know, I've listened to a bunch of episodes, and I'm super psyched to be on. It's an honor. Thank you.
0: Hell yeah. Where where I kind of wanted to start this was, uh, well, I guess first I wanted to ask you how your holidays were. How was Christmas and everything?
1: Good, um, we're kind of still in the midst of it. I haven't enjoyed it completely yet, because <laughs> I'm under a lot of deadlines for, we're working on the next Jacob book. um, and that deadline is super soon, so kind of like... You know, I just want to get that off my hands and then I can enjoy a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's totally different because online you can like revise and change things later, but obviously with a book once it goes to the printer, you know, it's done forever.
0: Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to fuck that one up. But I imagine like, you gotta have it perfect prior.
1: I mean, we're really good at not making it perfect and misspelling <laughs> tons of shit, but uh, I'm trying to make it do a little better job as usual than usual
0: yeah um whenever I write something out, I have my lady look it over just yeah. to like make me not sound as stupid, and then right. even then sometimes we get mistakes that slide through
1: yeah it's it's you know i usually our process is we even for online we try to print out a physical copy of whatever we're publishing um before it goes live, which you know may or may not always happen, and then looking at it and copying copy editing it before publishing on a piece of paper because you see things differently on a piece of paper than you do online yeah um and i guarantee if you print it out and have a pen with you and read through it you will catch
0: oh there we go i think you broke up a little bit but i think we're all right oh let
1: me check my reception yeah
0: make sure you're on wi-fi
1: yeah it should be good no it's good now Okay. Cool. If I break up, just let me know and I can, I can, uh, switch rooms or try, you know, say it again or whatever.
0: Okay. Um, so this is your second book though.
1: Yeah. So our, our first book was, uh, kind of a half best of half new content. And this upcoming book is all new, just book only stuff. And it's like double the, double the thickness and it's got tons and tons of contributors that people i looked up to friends of mine people have met through you know just doing Gengam over seven years um you know so for me it's it's a it's a dream come true for sure
0: seven years dude that's sick. yeah good job yeah. dude <laughs>
1: thank you thank you it's it's uh i would like to say it's gone my fast but it really some of the years haven't uh you know because every day it's like a, there's something else you're trying to figure out you know
0: yeah. Well, take me to the, take me to the beginning then. Like what were you doing prior to this and how did you transition into doing this?
1: Um, so beginning, there's a couple different beginnings. I guess Jenkum, the name and the idea started, uh, in college, uh, in 2008 or 2007 ish, uh, 2008 ish. Um, we had a house, uh, I went to school upstate New York, uh, a school called SUNY New Paltz. is just like a state school and um, near Poughkeepsie. And we had a house called the Jankum Palace because it was just a really shitty skate house and that was the gag, of course. <laughs> like, yeah, come to the Jankum Palace. It's like, just, it's fucked, you know? Um, and then that was kind of our crew, like kind of whatever, the Jankum skate crew or skate house or whatever. And uh, around that time, I just felt like, you know around that time it was like 2008 2009 the economy was really bad and i like, felt like the magazines were they just weren't that interesting you know uh and it makes sense because a lot of them were just trying to cover their ass you know stay in print with you know appease the advertisers
0: and yeah um, they're trying to maintain their try to keep their business going they're struggling i'm sure
1: yeah it was super rough i'm sure and um at the same time, the internet was getting bigger and bigger and more people were going online for content. So at the same time, you probably have like a smaller staff and now you have to cover double the amount of grounds. Um, which would make sense why content wasn't insane. Like it is now, you know, there's every day there's new videos and everything out there. Yeah. So for me, just as like a college kid and, um, like, a fan of skateboarding. I was just, like, not nourished enough. There just wasn't enough out there that got me psyched. Like, there was no, I don't know if there was ball, but there was nothing that was, like, really in-depth, that really had, like, a good chunk of meat. Um, so I was just like, fuck, I have a lot of free time. You know, I'm in school, and this is what I want to do. Like, I want to call these people up and find out these things on my own. Just kind of, like, pick at that scab or... Keep, or or should- That's where the idea started and then I got a job in college uh, at the computer proctoring which basically just you sit in a computer lab and make sure like the printer's not broken. Like it's like a $10 an hour like student job, you know. (laughs) And throughout working there, I obviously just learned like instead of working or whatever I was supposed to be doing, I just started trying to learn how to like program a website and put like articles up and stuff. And uh, yeah, that's where I started it. And I, I published it after school, about uh, a year and a half after I graduated. Um, because right after I graduated, I worked at Vice for a year. Nice. And I was working there, and then uh, I kind of did Jankum on the you know, I was working on jenkem on the side and then released it. And that's that's my previous background.
0: What were you doing at Vice?
1: Uh, so I, I worked there for the um, launch of Noisy which was a music vertical that they launched, uh, in 2009, I think. Um, and that was, I was just doing really low level, just, you know, copy editing, assistant work, a lot of like, this sounds really weird, but it's like quote unquote managing digital assets, which is just like fucking putting pictures in the back end and like managing stuff like that. Nothing yeah. sexy.
0: Yeah, it's just a fancy term yeah. for what we do.
1: <laughs> yeah, just just little fucking dumb things, checking spelling on things, making sure everything's there. It's an important job for a launch of a website, but it's not, like, cool by any means. And, you know, I got there, and Device was definitely, like, somewhere where I thought I'd be like, oh, if I let this company, I would be there for a long time. And what I realized is, is that, for me, Vice is cool, and what they do is cool, and what they did is, for me, even cooler. But... It's just like any other job, and I wasn't as fulfilled as I thought it would be. So I'd rather, you know, not have that job and just try to make my own thing before I got too jaded. That was kind of my theory. Yeah. Because I have an older brother and older sister, and they both were kind of like... They followed what they wanted to do, and they always... When they talk about high school kids that I thought were cool, they are like, Yeah, you know, he kind of does this and that, and it kind of seems like a bummer. Like, a lot of people had cool ideas in high school, and then never went through with them. Yeah. And I, I never wanted to be like, oh, yeah, I could have done that, or we have this cool house. Like, I don't want that to be the peak of my existence or my ideas or follow-through.
0: Yeah, I always, like, see... I hear stories like that, people that are hitting, like, into their 30s, and they, like, they just compromised, and they're like they're talking about yeah. the glory days and how things used to be better, and yeah, I'm like, exactly. man, that seems like a trap.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, like life should be getting better not peaked out when you're 18 you know And i just didn't want to i don't want to compromise so young like those are my ideas i gotta i owe my younger self to at least try them even if they fail you know yeah so um i don't know where we were but that was that was kind of the idea behind it
0: were you how'd you do in school
1: um pretty like literally straight average like c student i was pretty much a c student like c minus c c plus student all the way up till like late high school and then late high school i did uh i was like maybe a b student but pretty just kind of bare minimum i was always really hyper interested in like things outside of school i just don't like having to follow a curriculum so if you're like if they were like pick 10 things to learn about and go do it i think i would do well but since they say, these are the 10 things you have to learn about, I can't, I can't focus as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> it's funny how that works.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that's like, a, just a skateboarder thing too. It's just like, yo, I want to do this and I can do it well if you just give me the opportunity to fucking take my own time and like focus on and do it like I'm motivated by this, so just let me do
0: that, you know? Yeah, and actually that kind of ties in beautifully because with the internet and all the platforms nowadays, it's like if you let people focus on the thing that they genuinely care about and are interested in and can turn that into their job or work at it or just a side right. project, like they're going to be better than anybody who has to do it just because someone told them to do it, you know? Right, right, so for makes, sure. Makes more, way more sense that way. For sure,
1: for sure. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that.
0: All right, what's the worst job you've had, have, even before all this? Did you ever have a shitty job?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I've had plenty. Um, and that's <laughs> also something that I guess I'm I'm thankful for because it, it keeps me grounded, you know, in any capacity. Um, because I think what I have now is pretty good. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I get to kind of, there's very little, confi- like, constraints or confines on what we do with Jenkum. And a lot of people understand it in terms of like our readers and the companies that work with us on projects and how it's very rare to be able to just kind of sit, brainstorm and then just put it out as you want, you know, without anyone, someone upstairs. I mean, it's just us. It's a bunch of basically 20 year olds saying, yeah, we want to do that. And then we go do it and then we laugh about it and put it out and hopefully other people like it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but back to the, the shitty, um, shitty job thing, I think, uh, My... I worked once... I worked in a mailroom, which was in high school, which was really not that great. It was kind of cool because, you know, I don't know, in those type of jobs, you... The humor is really good. Like, you have a good time with everyone who works there because the job is so fucking boring and monotonous, you know? Like, you have to have a good humor, a good sense of humor, otherwise you just want to shoot yourself. That's the perks...
0: Um, That's the perks of having a shitty job is you got to learn to relate with people and have humor for sure. Yeah, so,
1: you know, mailroom, you're getting... The thing is, uh, is, like, like Seinfeld, the mail, mail never stops, and, like, holidays were the worst. You would just get so much bombarded mail, and you're just sorting through piles of mail and putting them in these little slots, like, hundreds of slots, and just, like, doop doop, like, and looking at names, and after a while, it's just, you're just brain dead, you know? Um, that was one job that I liked my, the people I worked with, but I, I hated the job itself. And then another job I had was uh, just your normal, um, I was kind of, like, just busboy, glasses cleaner, Slash just doing everything in a restaurant that no one wanted to do. Um, And that was fine, too. Uh, I didn't want to be in the front, meaning, like, I didn't really want to be a server because I I was at a wine bar and I didn't know that much about the wines and they probably wouldn't want to make me a server anyway. So, uh, yeah, I was just kind of behind the scenes and... uh, it was, it was fine, but I'm glad I did them to know that I don't want to do them again.
0: Yeah, at the very least, that's what a really r- r- tough job will do is give you, like, a sense of, like, what you don't want to do. Like, all right, I don't want to do this forever, but... Yeah. <laughs> I, think for about sure. this, I think about this a lot because I live near uh, the Edge Indoor Skate Park, and there's a lot of young people that come there from, you know, we're in New England, so all the states are so close. So people are coming from Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and all over. And uh, I'm just seeing all these people, and I'm like... <laughs> I just see all the different characters, and I ask them about what they do for work, and you know, and a lot of them. There's a lot of kids. A lot of them are killing it, but there's a section of them that are just like they don't. They've never had a real job, and they don't know. They don't know what the fuck to do, and I'm like. I'm like, it doesn't, I was like, I always just say, get, uh, get the shittiest job you can and challenge yourself. <laughs> like, see if you can do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. cause I call them shitty jobs, but a shitty job is like where you start. You got to start there and try it out. You got to learn to work. Cause most, there's so many people that are pipe dreaming nowadays that think it's going to be given to them or yeah. they're just going to like, someone's going to map out their success for them. And I'm like. Man, you've just never worked because you don't understand how much effort it takes, you know? For sure. I'm,
1: dude, I'm 100% on board. I think everyone should have to have one shitty job in their life. Yeah. Like, I'm down with that. Or one type of service industry job. So when you go to a restaurant or someone's helping you, you don't fucking act like a dickhead to them because you've been in that position. You know how tough it is, you know?
0: Yeah, empathy. And you can ser- you yeah. serve someone. You literally serve them. That's why it's like, yeah. you know... It's a hard job, and you can work your way up from there, too. And especially, like like you said, if you do it and you realize you don't like it, at least that's one thing you're not going to do, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I've worked a bunch of jobs like that. It's crazy because a job is just your time. Someone owns your time, you know? Right. If you don't know how to build your own business or you don't have work ethics, someone's going to own your time, you know?
1: Right, for sure.
0: So it's like you got to figure it out. And then everyone's like... I see a lot of dudes, and I'm like, you're getting, like, 25, that turns into 35, you're still getting drunk all the time, like, I like to party, don't get me wrong, right? or celebrate, I guess, but, like, work comes first, you know, like, (laughs) just trying to get people to move forward and step and go, because I'm like, we're still in America, like, there's way worse places with way less opportunity, like, it's either your fault, and you're missing the boat, or, like, maybe you're really oppressed, but I'm Mm -hmm. not sure,
1: (laughs) yeah, no, uh, I, I think about that too. I'm like, okay, we're in America as, as dark as it is right now. We're still in America. We still have, you know, more opportunities than most. And especially for me, like me being in New York and being originally a New Yorker, it's like, you know, you can't get that many better, that much more opportunity than that, you know? Yeah. So
0: New York's like the big yeah. show, man.
1: <laughs> it is. I, it's, it's overwhelming, but, you know, I mean, you meet so many people and bump into so many people just being in the scene, you know? Uh, and that's actually how I originally got in skating as well, is that I before Jenkum, when I was in college, and I just knew I wanted to do something in skating, like anything, you know? Uh, I would just be desperately going to whatever skate parties were in New York City. Like, I was like that troll guy, you know? Hell yeah. I don't think people knew, <laughs> but I was like quiet about it. I would just go to as many skate events as possible. And I think at one point, people would be like, oh, this kid's always here, like, what does he do? And I did nothing, really. <laughs> you know, but
0: you're a lurker, full lurker.
1: I'm, I'm there to just try to meet people and get in. And uh, I met this one guy, uh Thomas, from Baltimore, and he ran a little tiny, like site called Interstate Mag. Oh, it was like funny. a little online fucking blog at that time. It was like 2007. And we were chatting, you know, because I was just there enough. We were chatting about the video we were watching, whatever premiere it was. And he was like, yo, I, I, you know, do you want to write? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll do anything, you know? So that's how I got my first kind of, or one of my first gigs in skating was I was like writing for this dude for free just for several years just to kind of like get in the scene. And then he'd be like, hey, do you want to come to Tampa? And I was like, oh, hell yeah. And then Tampa was, you know, the next door and it, it grew from there. Yeah,
0: I had a similar similar with Fibro. They like Yeah. he got they kind of showed me the ropes and they took me to Tampa too. And kind of show you the industry side where you go down and you meet all these people from they all come to one area, you know.
1: Yeah, I think uh I think that's many people's first first gig and it's the best <laughs> first gig ever. Yeah, you know, to Tampa was like mind-blowing. I'm sure it was for you too. Oh yeah,
0: dude. It's like um back then, I don't nowadays I haven't been to the AM in a while, although I should go, but um I, the, when I went, it was, like, fucking Lost Boys. It was, like, so many fucking crazy kids, and they're just trashing hotels and fucking yeah. running in circles, and, like, you're seeing drugs and craziness and ladies, and you're just yeah, in yeah. Tampa. Yeah, yeah.
1: It was amazing. Like, yeah. scummy Tampa. We, we drove from New York our first trip took us, like, two days to get there, and that adds to the allure of the whole trip. Like, it just made it so much more epic, because when you got there... Also, you know, since it's in March, you're in New York, and it's so fucking cold, so as you drive more and more south, it gets warmer and warmer and warmer, Yeah. and so when the time you get there, it's like the Holy Grail, you know? It's funny. It's really
0: funny. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's yeah. crazy that that place grew in Tampa, Florida, because out of all the places in the world that it could have sprung up, it's weird that it came out of there.
1: and I I think that's a good case study, too. if they could create a scene around Tampa, Florida, which is basically anywhere in the U.S., yeah. then you can do it, too, and you can do it whatever your town is. You can make it the next Tampa.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's not California. It's not New York City. It's not whatever major city. It's not Chicago. It's fucking Tampa, Florida. And they did it, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: It's epic. And then once you're there, you're like, it's the Tampa that has the La Quinta where there's, like, this fucking gnarliness. And like, you're like, it's yeah. gnarly. It's a gnarly place. Like- <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's for sure. I didn't realize... The
1: <laughs> South was where it was. Like, when it first got there, we're driving around, we're like, where the fuck are we? <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's great.
0: Yeah, I've, I mean, I've always been inspired by them. Like, we do the New England Am up here, and just, they've inspired me fully, just going down to Tampa and seeing what they built and the connections, it's the people, you know, that's what proves it right there, it's not necessarily the location, it's the people, like, if people have a spark and can work together and build and stay focused long enough, like, you can make something that's fucking epic, you know, even if you're a skateboarder, if you're some lazy skateboarder, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that's the stuff, that's stuff I talk about too, because, like, as you get older, you know, like, as he's... As you hit a certain age, you become an adult, and you want to start, like, ma- making money is, like, a part of, like, you know, unless you're in New York City, you got to make money or you die, you know what yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> and, uh, like, a lot of the kids, you know, they're, I'm trying to help them find a transition to, like, you know, learn how to work first for some of them, some of them can hold it down, like, my homie Billy Drown, he came out, he just was on my podcast the other day, but he's, like, um, he's an apprentice for electrician, you know, so, like, he gets the idea of work, you know? He's, like, all about it. But there's other kids that are just so lost, and I'm like, dude, like, you just got to work, man. And then once you know how to work, then you can figure out what you want to work at, and then you can work your way from that job into trying to transition into something that you've built and that gained traction. But it's not easy, you know? Like, how do you explain that to... Someone that you have to, like, you know, because you had, you had a full job and you're working on a side gig and you're growing it and right. trying to figure out ways that you have to work more than most, you know, if you're going to do that. That's what a lot of people are trying to do, I feel.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people are trying to skip the work part of the stage and just kind of go straight to the, you know, uh, check up, check me out on Instagram stage. Yeah. And I think you can, I mean, there's definitely a lucky few who can do that, but I'd say most probably it's tricky, you know. Yeah. It's weird. You have to have some foundation, kind of. Kind of like the old thing, like, yeah, you gotta know the rules to break them. Well, maybe it might help if you've worked one job just to be able to say, to, to create your own job, you know?
0: Yeah. Where do you, where, what do your parents do?
1: Uh, my dad is kind of like, kind of like me. Kind of like a journalist. And he's done a lot of little companies in, in like Europe where he's tried to, you know, some ventures have gone, gone well, others have obviously not. So he kind of coin tosses, and my mom works in education.
0: Nice. So what does she teach?
1: Yeah. Uh, she does, like, most of ESL. What's that? Uh, English as a second language, ESL. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, so, like, kids who come to the States and, like, you know, obviously learning English and getting educated.
0: What's your background? What are you guys?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm, my mom's Chinese, my dad's British, so I'm half-half.
0: Can you speak uh, Mandarin? Is that the language? Uh, no. Nah. It,
1: it is. It is. I, I unfortunately can't... Um, my mom was born in the States, so I'm actually second generation, I believe. Um, and for whatever reason, it didn't really pass through the pipeline. Like, she, she didn't, you know, teach us. So it's it's unfortunate, but, you know, I'm happy to just be here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: That's cool, man. Um, let's digress a little bit more back into, like, early skate days. Like, what got sure. you first hyped on a skateboard? Why was it skateboarding you picked? Um again there's kind of multiple
1: points one was because my brother of course it's always the older brother story but it's a good story um, (laughs) my brother's 10 years older than me and um so in the 90s i was like whatever very young let's say i was six or whatever and he was 16 and he was getting all these boards from ccs uh you know from the catalog he was ordering over the phone and i would see these boards come in and look at the catalog and as a kid, I'd be like, "Oh, these are like my cartoons, like Hookups or World Industries," but they'd be like perverted and weird, you know, because that's how like Mark McKee and those artists are. Yeah, it was so. And I'd be like, I'd look at it and be like, "Oh, this is like," it felt so like naughty and weird, and I think that was kind of my first attraction to it because it felt like familiar, but again, very very odd, and I didn't understand the dark humor yet. And then um, I grew up, I, I kind of forgot about it, and then in middle school. Um, I saw the eighth graders skating, you know, after lunch or during lunch or after school. And I was like, Oh, that's the coolest looking thing ever. You know? Yeah. Just that their style, how they were kind of just hanging out alone, um, in their own world. And like, no one really bothered them, but also no one really paid attention to them. It was just kind of like what their own world over there. And I was like, Oh, I want to be a part of that. And, um, then I called my brother up and I was like, Hey, you remember those skateboard things you used to get? Like, What's a good skateboard setup? You know, and I, then I went back because I knew he skated, and uh, you know, I got—I think my first setup was um, a uh, Jamie Thomas Smith grind deck. It was a blue one, um, which was one of the early ones, and then independent trucks, Bones Red, probably generic wheels, and uh, you know, whatever hardware.
0: Solid. So, yeah, solid setup.
1: Yeah, it was—it was—it was pretty classic, and then I got a pair of in the beginning, I just used normal shoes, and then eventually, my first pair of shoes became i think costume twos so that was a it was a good era. It was like when skating was just about to be blooming again the
0: skate the costume two was looking more like a skate, sh- like a basketball shoe kind of right yeah
1: it was it was <laughs> fucking giant, it was giant. <laughs> and it was really bright and like. It was, it was loud. Like, if you saw a kid wearing those, you'd be like, that kid's a skater, or he just, he, he has to be a skater, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love the costumes ones. I ran those forever. I got flow from S back in the day, and that's all I'd ask him to send me is the ones with the air pocket, you know, the original. Oh, yeah. So good. The
1: ones are unforgettable. I mean, that was like a prototype or like, that was just a super solid shoe, like how the Andrew, uh, how the Reynolds were with America. Yeah. You know? Un- unmistakable, just a staple-ass shoe.
0: Yeah, proper. And the skater the skater backed it up, so it was, like, good, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Th- those were good times. That was, like, obviously looking back, all those things seemed really magical. Like, I remember looking at the catalog and seeing the Circa Musca shoe with the weed pocket, and I was just like, man, anything. Those were, I remember they were $99, I was like, holy shit, like, this is insane, you know, like, $100 for the pair of shoes, and they were so epic.
0: Yeah, and you're gonna shred them, too, you know? You're like, fuck. (laughs)
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. those were magical times, like, I feel the same way, I'm very blessed, like, I think it's the individuals maybe, because, like, because I think about it now, and I'm like, it's hard for kids now, you know? Like, I don't know. I want to, I tell everyone, I'm like, you guys should do skateboard lessons, and that always makes me seem corny, I think, when I say that, (laughs) but, like, I don't mean, like, multiple kids. I just mean, like, a one-on-one lesson with, like, someone who's just learning or wants to get into skateboarding. Like, I feel like every amateur that's, like, coming up nowadays should do that. It's almost like their tough job, you know? Like, when you get it, it's like you got to, like, introduce someone to skateboarding and show them why it's sick. And I feel like Muska and Jamie Thomas and all those dudes, they had a moment because it was, like, really authentic. And they were, like, I don't know. It seemed more raw and more real to me with those dudes, you know? Yeah. So I feel like, and you know, nowadays, I feel like everybody in America and anywhere is fucking trying to sell you some bullshit or, like, right. market you some bullshit. Like, it, it, it's, like, insane. They're, like, teaching people to be master marketers. I heard someone say yeah. that was their passion. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> cooking and marketing is your passion? passion? Like, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> Just tricking people, basically. Tricking people for money. Yeah, it breaks my heart, dude. I'm sorry, yeah. if re- I'm sorry I derailed stories of this, but... <laughs> no.
1: they were because skateboard they you know a lot of those guys started skating in the early 90s so with nothing and then they came to fruition in the mid and late 90s so you're going to have a certain personality type from that very strong eccentric personalities and now it's like you know obviously it's going to attract different people yeah um so th- but there's still there's definitely still people out there it's just that i don't think you're going to get they can't get away with as much as people did in the 90s in terms of, like, the public (laughs) just shenanigans that people pulled.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, another thing that I've realized in skating that's kind of been tough is, like, making the transition from going from, like, the old ways to the new ways. Like, Mm -hmm. literally, like, I've lived through it. You've seen it. Actually, this kind of, before I get into this, did you ever try to get sponsored?
1: Nah, I was never, well, there's another story is that I grew up in New York, but I moved to Europe when I was 10. Nice. Because as I said, my dad, uh, you know, tried to do various, uh, entrepreneurial things. And like, we went to, so I lived in Vienna, Austria, and I grew up there from 10 to 18. Wow. And, uh, over there, growing up skateboarding, it wasn't in the air for me so much that like, you could make a living off of this. Like, skateboarding was kind of primitive. Like the, the, uh, videos, uh, stuff pretty fine, like America, um, wow. So, yeah, I was never really good enough, and then in my head, at least. And then um, I was like pretty much in the middle of the bunch, whereas, like, you know, you had like the two or three kids from high school, you're like, oh, if anyone's gonna get sponsored, they're gonna get sponsored, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, overall, the climate wasn't really like, yo, check me out, skate park superhero. It was kind of just dinking around in your backyard type stuff.
0: Yeah, sick. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it was different.
0: Yeah, I think, so, so that being said, like, I feel like it's tough nowadays because we went from like a set way of doing it. So you send in sponsoring tapes, or you try to get checkouts and magazines and all that stuff. And then if you do, you get recognized and you can get flow and sponsored and stuff. And now it's just like people are sending me Insta clips to get sponsored, and I'm like, are they really thinking like thinking that's gonna work? Like you just send a 30 second Insta clip and someone's gonna sponsor you? Like I just like am like. I don't think they, like, people don't know. And even a lot of the pros, like, a lot of pros kind of just died off instead of transitioning with the media, you know? Like, all the pros, there's a lot of pros that had careers and stuff, and then they just disappeared because the sponsors, whatever, because we transitioned from print and all that to, like, digital, you know? And I was like, I'm always like, dude, you guys should just create some platforms to, like, showcase your skate community or build up those around you and tell your story and the legacy and the history and, like, a lot of pros don't want to do it, though, apparently. (laughs) You know? It took a lot of work, I guess, but...
1: It it, it is. I, I understand both sides. I'm like... But at the same time, it's like, you kind of go, if you want to go where the money is, then you got to adapt with the times. And if you just want to skate and do whatever you want, then hopefully you can make a living off of it, you know, Yeah. but maybe not for forever, you know?
0: Yeah. And it makes me bummed out. Well, that was half the reason I started the podcast was I was like, I got to kind of preserve this history. Cause a lot of these dudes, like there's so many characters and there's so much depth and value in these stories and skateboarders in general, you know, I was like, right. If we have this technology, we should preserve this. We've been doing it in print and whatnot, like, to do it in digital. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, it'd be so sick if more people did that because then we could network and you could build up your communities, build up your communities, your networks. It's like, I just think people had, like, a famine mentality. It's like, there's enough. Like, people just got to be motivated and work and build it up, you know? Like, imagine, I think of it all the time. I'm like, imagine if, like... And maybe they do. Maybe I'm just missing their content or something. Maybe that's part of the problem. Is I don't know where to go for half of it. You know, like. But I'm always like, I'd love to see like a Simon Woodstock podcast where like he turns on his community and you meet all the people he knows and what they're doing and like. That'd be amazing. Yeah, there's so many. There's so many communities in skateboarding that I'm like, I wish I could just peek inside of it. And I'm sure you feel this way with like interviewing people and reaching out and like you have the ability to do that because you're a platform. Right which is yeah, rad that's the best part of it that's yeah.
1: the best part of the whole thing is that you can kind of go around and like whatever you want to know you can find someone that had a, was either directly in it or influenced it and then talk to them and then let everyone else know be like hey you guys wondering the same thing because I just found out here check this out you know yeah
0: that's that's it.
1: literally the most rewarding thing is talking to everyone and yeah that's that's it that's the best feeling
0: how do, you, how do you feel about, like, do you ever get nervous before you interview people?
1: <laughs> um, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, not so much recently because I've just done enough reps, you know? I've hit the, I've hit the interview gym enough, I guess. Yeah. Uh, just, like, seven years of interviewing people, I've done a couple hundred interviews now. And uh, it's rare for me to get nervous because I've done most people that I look up to. Um So, yeah, not not too bad. Now, I, I used to really over-prepare for interviews, and um now I try to under-prepare to some degree and just listen more. Listen to what they're saying, listen to the changes in their voice, where they stutter, where they hesitate, where maybe you think you can get more out of them, as opposed to just going through a list of questions.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm glad to hear that, because I, w- I was similar. I would prepare, because you don't want to hit a wall, you know? A wall's right. scary. But I think it makes for interesting... uh Content. If you have a little bit of pause or some sort of dramatic where you're like, oh, what are they going to talk about? And then you find a story, and you're like, oh, yeah, perfect. Just that's what it is.
1: Yeah, and also don't be afraid of the pauses. Like, sometimes that's when – like, I remember interviewing Booznitz, and I was too fast with the questions. I would ask him a question, he'd answer, and then when I thought he was done, I'd say something. But he didn't – he doesn't answer like that. Like, he meditates a little bit between these different kind of stanzas or answers, and I was like – fuck I'm cutting him off I don't realize till I listen back to the audio tape Yeah, like I'm cutting him off and he's just getting into it and then I'm going on the next question and just not even listening um, so sometimes these pauses are like it's good it, it builds up a little bit of excitement a little awkwardness and you can sometimes you can get better stuff from that
0: yeah, I like that you refer to it as a muscle, because, like, I feel it. If I don't podcast for, like, a week or two, I'm, like, nervous, because I know I'm not fluid with it, you know? But yeah, if I do, like, two a week, and then I have a third, it's like, oh, yeah, this is just I'm another f- conversation. It out. Yeah. It's
1: like walking down the... It's, it's way easier. <laughs> I, I like that, too. I like staggering my stuff so I don't overthink it before. Yeah. That's another one. It won't be just, like, one interview at 5 p.m., the only thing to do today, because then... You know, when I wake up till five, I'll be agonizing over that thing. <laughs> so I'd rather it just be, like, packed, and then I'm like, oh, shit, I gotta do this interview, and then I'm just, I go into it, you know?
0: Yeah, full-heartedly, I, I agree yeah. with that one. How, how is living in New York? Um You grew up there, yeah?
1: Well, I grew up, like, an hour north, or 45 minutes north. So I, I would come into the city a lot. Um, how is it living in New York now? It's
0: definitely it's fucking it's hectic man do you ever (laughs) have to get out do you have to get out occasionally
1: oh new york yeah yeah if if, if i didn't travel as much as i get to travel for different skate stuff i probably wouldn't like it as much um you definitely need or for some like me i need space and i need air that smells good and i need um people that aren't constantly like i need less opportunity and less events sometimes because it's very easy in new york to live here i'm kind of a fomo type of person so anytime anyone comes into the city anytime there's a birthday anytime there's anything which is literally several times a day or once a day or whatever you i feel like i have to go to it and it kind of stresses me out
0: what's fomo what's up what's fomo
1: oh fear of missing out
0: oh i didn't know that nice yeah, like, yeah. I, I can relate it's to that.
1: A lame millennial term, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I do feel that like you know, when it, when so all those things they add up and you're like, Oh man, if I didn't go to that party I went to meet that person or this person or whatever. Um but now, you know, I'm I'm twenty nine now and I I think maybe I'm growing out of it, but probably not. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. New York New York, like I've been there for like the longest was probably a month and like I was so overstimulated. I'm the same way, like yeah. I don't know if it's for fear of missing out or just I have, like, I overwork myself because my brain races, so I just fill it with work or things right. I love or whatever. Like, if I'm not doing something, I feel like I'm not being, I'm not in the moment, you know? So, like, right. um, so I'm the same way. And in New York, it's just like, it's the lights and there's so much people and energy and, like, to have that turned on all the time, it can get exhausting, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you definitely need breaks. You need to know when to say like just stay in that's what I've been learning just taking better care of myself yeah. not like just train wrecking like the fourth night going out and being like no I gotta go out cause it's time it's <laughs> like it's like cool you know, dude like <laughs> like it's gonna be there tomorrow you know
0: yeah yeah you gotta find a pace that works for you cause it's yeah. a long term game you know like in anything in life you, you want to picture getting to be 80 where you are chilling or at least like you're the version of 80 you're proud of you know yeah, and like yeah. when you're young, you like got a lot of. Some people have a lot of um, ambition and aspirations, or anxiety, or whatever. So like even for me, like sometimes it just comes from anxiety. I'll just overwork because I'm like fear of like losing stuff or not having something yeah. or like knowing something. Winter's coming and something's gonna break or like just all that going on too. And you're just like you just gotta you gotta fill the time. You know. Luckily, I I fi- fill it with skateboard stuff because it's like that's it's work, but it's so pleasurable. You know.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. You've been doing the the podcast for a minute now, huh?
0: Five years. I just got um notification on LinkedIn that said five years. Sick. Yeah. Congrats, man. Thank that's you. Huge. Thank you. And and uh, I'm pretty proud because it's like over 200 and I want to say 30 episodes of.
1: That's a lot.
0: Just trying to figure it out.
1: <laughs> Dude, yeah, that's huge. That's just good life experience. Even if nobody, even if no one was listening, you got to talk with 200 plus people that. I assume to some degree you admire something about them or like something about them. And you, you know, that's how you learn, or at least that's how I learn best is through other people.
0: Yeah. That's beautifully said. Like, Cause you could know the whole, th- you could know everything and have it all figured out. If but if you're by yourself, what the fuck does it matter? You know? Yeah,
1: that's, that's that as well for sure.
0: Yeah, so like to not be by yourself and be able to relate and understand people, you got to go out of your comfort zone. And it's so easy, dude. So many people are overworked and stressed and like don't yeah. even have time to talk to the people closest to them. Let alone like find time. Uh, it, it stresses me out because I'm like. I can't figure out if we don't have, if there, if we really have a poverty problem or if it's just people's mindset, you know, like, because in my head, I keep thinking, I'm like, we're in America, we're in America, like, there's still opportunity here, that's what we're hearing, we're being told, you know, and then you see, like, people struggling, and it's like, the one example, and I brought it up on a lot of podcasts that I see is, like, I grew up kind of in the hood and stuff, and people walk by change, you know what I mean, on the ground. And I'm like, wait, you're so ghetto and poor and, like, struggling, but you're walking by pennies, you know? And it's like, yeah. th- that might be a perspective issue, not a real poverty issue, you know? Or the poverty's in right. your mind. Like, maybe you just need to work on your... the way you see the world, you know? Like... It's intense, you know? <laughs> for sure. But we gotta yeah. figure that out. As me, you, people growing into adulthood and trying to be productive and healthy and happy and continue to yeah. do this shit. Because we're examples whether we like it or not. Like, me and you or anyone out there listening, like, there's people around you that, like, look up to you whether you know it or not, you know? Right.
1: hundred percent.
0: Yeah. It's right ra- ra- that... Oh. It's nice if you can Sorry, find... Sorry, I just
1: gotta it. interrupt for a second. I... My phone, I just realized I'm at 2%. I'm just carrying my charger.
0: Yeah, please, please do. Keep us on. Oh, Keep God. us rolling, bro. I'm
1: sorry about that. <laughs> I didn't want it, uh, to, to break up and die.
0: No, it's okay. And if it did, I could always call you back and we could just splice it in. Cool.
1: Just give me one second.
0: Which borough are you in?
1: Oh, I'm in Brooklyn right now. We have a, a little office space in Brooklyn.
0: Nice. We're um, like
1: kind of in a WeWork in a shared office. So we have like one office and then there's other like kind of startup companies that have other offices.
0: Nice. Um, and where did you start, Jankom? Were you just at your house with your family when you originally started?
1: Yeah, I um, I moved back in with my mom, and I was pretty much just living there for, like, a year and a half, and that's where it started. And that's when I was working at this wine bar as well, like, wine bar full-time, and then just Jankom on the side. And then um, after about, I'd say, one and a half to two years, I started making a little bit of money. I'll oh, try to plug this in. And then once I made some money I was like a little bit I was like oh I can make it happen and I have all the savings from the wine bar you know so that's when I kind of took the leap and uh that's when it was, <coughs> after, it was after a year and a half and a couple of advertisers
0: though nice that was that, that was on an instant you know <coughs> was that on your own like you bridged those uh connections and reached out to sponsors or advertisers
1: yeah that was uh <coughs> excuse me that was yeah it was all me it was just I think a lot of it just started out of like desperation, frustration, loneliness, (laughs) just all the all these negative things were motivating. Yeah. I just wanted to be a part of this thing so bad and I felt so far away from it. I was like a kid with they graduated college that with like working a shitty job that he didn't like and I was just channeling that kind of like anger or energy into, like, I'm going to go fucking do this thing and, like, talk to these people and get something crazy out of them. Yeah. You know? And um, that's kind of, like, then I did the Jeremy Rogers interview and this and that, and, they, you know, you do it over and over and over again, and then after the 20th thing you did that you felt, like, was good. You know, you know, it wasn't even good, but it was good enough. <laughs> then I started getting noticed a little bit, and to get the ad, I'm going off track, but in terms of advertisers, yeah, I was just... Again, taking that energy and like waking up, and I would make a list of like 40 companies, and I would cold call like 40 companies, <laughs> and I'd find their their information. I'd literally call like the retail stores. Like I would, I'd be like, okay, I want to hit up Vans, you know? I would hit up the flagstip flagship store of Vans, which is <laughs> wherever it is, and I'd be like, can I talk to your manager? And the manager would be like, what's up? And I'd be like, hey, can you get me in touch with somebody at the marketing department or like. And they'd be like, who the fuck is this? And they'd just be like, hey, I run a small magazine called Jankum. Like, we're trying to uh, discuss ways we can, like, do some projects together. Some I don't even know what I said back then. And at that point, I think I called, like, or cold emailed and called. Like, this is one year in. Cold emailed, called, like, 40 brands. And I think I got, like, two emails back. Two out of 40, which is not terrible. No, amazing. Which, yeah. But that was pretty brutal. I was just like... Just like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to keep going. And when I got those two emails back and they weren't even interested, really, I just kept being like, okay, then I need more content. I need to be louder, you know? I need to, Jenkem needs to, I got to put in the work, really. That's what it came down to. Because I I think I was being too, trying to get money before I really, you know, Jenkem didn't deserve it at that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. Because you want to do it. You want to do it full-time. And it's like it takes time to cultivate something and to get people used to it and to put out the content that you can have that foundation off of.
1: Yeah, people just want to know you're going to be around as well. It's not just like an overnight thing. And it's not just a weird hobby that's going to disappear. Yeah. Um, And, uh, yeah, I was just like I need to just put in the time and keep doing it. And the cold goal in the beginning was just if I can wake up and work on Jankum or skateboarding and then go to bed and just do that every day. That's the dream. That's all I need, you know? Yeah. Plus, wake up. That's it. That's the best thing ever.
0: Yeah. Um, And that seems modest to me. That seems, like, totally feasible if you can, like, dedicate yourself and build yourself up well enough to make it happen and put yourself out there, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, I think so. I I, I mean, it worked for me, and then it was never supposed to be, like, I never really thought it would be... not that it's huge, but it's bigger than I would thought thought it would be right now. And um that was never kind of the goal. The goal is just, you know, be able to do it every day as a job.
0: Yeah, I can relate one hundred yeah. with that because of skating, you know, like I that and I, I never wanted to be sponsored because of like fame and money or any of that stuff. I literally just wanted to be sponsored so I could not have to worry about shoes and boards and then I could just do it all the time because that's all it's like the greatest great escape you're like this is so fun and you can be productive with it and do stuff and like connect with people it's like yeah that's the dream you know for sure but meanwhile they're like nope go to fucking school here's some debt fuck you here's a war (laughs) yeah
1: the school debt
0: is terrible oh dude my poor lady she got like she didn't know what she wanted to do and she got settled down with debt for school cause it was security they promised her security and a job you know and then uh you know of course all you know all things fall apart and uh but she paid it off which is amazing I'm like that's oh, rare that's yeah rare. yeah I was like you're fucking amazing cause it was a big lump of cash that she could've put into starting up her business if she had a she had to drive, you know? That's what I'm saying, idle time, and people, if you don't have, if you don't know what to do with your time, someone else will figure out what to do with your time, and they'll own your time. That's what a job is, you know? Like, (laughs) a lot of people gotta figure this out, because it's weird, like, with all these robots coming in, and, like, who knows, like, I mean, maybe that's so far off, but, like, what if we could build jobs online, and we could, like, do things we actually love and indulge in, and we could act... I mean, I think we can, it's just people got to, like, put value into this stuff and keep going and build them up and work it, you know?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's that far-fetched. I mean, even, I mean, technology is accelerating, um, but even if you look at right now, you can see, like, we've got AI, um, whatever, outsourced helpers and different, like, virtual assistants and stuff, and that could have been, you know, someone's job, like, in the U.S., like, you know, so... Yeah. You're already losing out to to robots as we speak.
0: Yeah, so good yeah. time to work on your side project yeah. or your ha- yeah. hustle, or your passion, or like, there's no excuses now. It's like now you just go for it and you know don't worry about failure. I guess like just figure it out. You know, yeah. That's why I always root for people because I'm like, dude. If you succeed, I succeed. Because, like, I've lived in the projects where people aren't doing well, and we all lose when that happens. It's like, that dude's fucking up that corner, and they're fucking up those people, and I have to see that. So it's like, people have, like, a famine mentality. Like, there's not enough for everyone to succeed and do their thing, you know? it's like, nah, there's enough. We gotta support each other. Like, we gotta figure this shit out, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it really sucks when... I haven't met many people like this. I've really only met one or two, but it sucks when you meet people in our industry or any industry where they only get ahead by pushing your face down, you know, or, like, tripping you up. It's like, dude, just do it better than me or do it different, but don't fucking muck up my stuff, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah.
1: And that's a disappointment when you meet someone that, that tries to muck with you on the back end and you're like, fuck, you know, that's... It's just a shitty way to go about life, I think. And I do think... I do believe a little bit in karma, so I think, or, or I hope that something like that would come around in a different way.
0: Yeah, and I, I think yeah. it will. I think karma, yeah. I don't know, I don't know about that word karma, but I do know that if you do yeah. shitty things, shitty things will happen to you, because yeah, people sure. people around you react to your shitty things, and then they fucking, it's gonna come back to you, because they're gonna harbor resentment and all that stuff, and it, that's factual, you know? <laughs> I've experienced that multiple times, you know? That's part of the growing process, you know? Um... All right, so back to skateboarding and interviews. Um, yeah. Who's one person that you've interviewed that you didn't think you'd ever interview? Like, who's the height of the height that you were like, "This, uh-huh. if I got this dude on, I've made it." <laughs> or girl. Yes, uh, <laughs> um, if any. A
1: couple. Of, I mean, they were uh, at some point. They were all way above. Again, my sights were not that high. They all, <laughs> so the last couple of years, they've all been kind of above the bar. Uh, I'd say interviewing, when I first got to interview P-Rod in 2014, that was, like, he was, he was, he's big now, but he was kind of right in the middle of it then. Like, not to say he peaked, but he, maybe he did peak. you know? Like, he was at his height then.
0: Yeah, I'm a huge fan of P-Rod, so that's a, that's a good one, that's solid.
1: He was pretty big, and not that he was, like, a lifelong dream, but I was just surprised that his people and himself would let a publication named after shit, you know, interview. <laughs> when he's got like target and he's got all these like big sponsors. Um, so that was like a surprise. I was like, Oh, okay. This is great. In terms of like lifelong ones, like Danny way was pretty cool. Oh, Danny heavy, Wei. heavy. I did, uh, you know, Mark Johnson was pretty great. Uh,
0: heavy, heavy. Mark Johnson was one for me too.
1: Yeah. Mark Johnson was a great one. I recently, uh, did Rodney Mullen, which is obviously as good as a guest for me. Yeah. So those three, um,
0: they stand out right at this moment.
1: Yeah, that's... For different reasons. They're all, they're all... Like, Rodney is just such a fucking brainiac, so that's, that's one reason that you would just want to learn everything from him. And, uh, you know, his life experience is incredible, too. <laughs>
0: Yeah, 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 there's certain people that pretty much all those dudes you described, they have like complexity to their character, they're like multiple, they've excelled at multiple things, you know, I, I like when right. I meet people like that, when they, they're a great father, they're a great businessman, right. they're a great lover, or whatever, like they, they've they lived long enough, they have enough experience, and they've worked hard enough that you're like, you know a bit about them that there's so much depth to it. Right,
1: exactly.
0: Yeah, and all those dudes, especially the skating side is super heavy. yeah. And so tell the people what the name means again.
1: So Jenkins, um, it was a fake drug that, um, a kid online made up Nice. and it's, and it came out, I think in like 2008 or nine, someone wrote it on a message board and he was like, he was like, yeah, how you get high is you shit in a bottle and piss in a bottle and put a balloon on top and you put it in the sun to ferment for like, you know, 10 days or something. And the gases from heating up the shit and the piss go up to the top of the balloon And then you take the balloon off and huff, huff the the gas.
0: Disgusting.
1: Yeah. And, uh, we just thought that was so funny. And, uh, we were just like, oh, this is great. Like, this is perfect. This is everything we like about skating. Just the underbelly of skating, you know? Yeah. And the humor of it. So we just rolled with that. And, uh, we ended up, we tried to make some on our front porch in college, which I have footage of. Um, so there's footage of me peeing in a bottle. My friend, we used a 40 bottle and, uh, the top of the old glass 40 bottles is too narrow to like easily put shit in. So we had to shit on a pizza box and then he's walking around with this shit on a pizza box and then he takes a plastic spoon and starts spooning it up and then into the top of the 40. And, uh, and then, yeah, we took a balloon and we left it out in our front yard. And I think our neighbors are just like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, what is, what is this? It's like a fucking, just a retarded science experiment. Um, and, uh, yeah, my one buddy tried, after a couple of days, he pulled the balloon off, and it was just, like, so foul, he couldn't even, I clips on, it's already. So we were just like, uh, eh, whatever. So, so... I'll have to upload that in some degree. I have, um, some old footage. Oh,
0: you sh- for sure should. Yeah. And, uh, so, it is a fake thing. Like, I'm sure someone's done it. Someone's had oh, it.
1: people have done it, but it's not like, so then Fox News reported on it, and they're like, a drug-sweeping America, jank and they it's all these funny fake news reports, and I was just like, so, people have tried it, but it's not like a drug-sweeping America. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a fucking, it's a goof, it's a goof on media.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, though, that's yeah. genius. <laughs>
1: and I, I like that level to it, is that, at, at first glance, it's a, it's like a fart joke, you know, which is, that's easy to do, but at second glance, it's got kind of the deeper, um, history of just kind of like clowning on the media, clowning on the mainstream, and and it just it has a great tale behind it, and so that's that's what I liked about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I definitely yeah. uh, could see that. I was like thinking about it, uh, and I was like, it's such a weird name. And then I started looking to it, and it's like huffing your own shit. And then I was like thinking about interviews, and I was like, some people do huff their own shit. They believe yeah. their hype so much. <laughs> I was like, it could work that way too. <laughs>
1: you're right, you're right, and it probably does. not you a little high, I mean, just breathing in whatever, whatever those fumes are, it's probably, you know, probably... Messes you up for
0: a second. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. When I was younger, yeah. I lived in New Hampshire, and a couple of my friends out there—they were huge fans of Gigi Allen. And oh, so, of course. Yeah, yeah, so I like learned all about the crazy fucking depravity that humans can get into. <laughs> but dudes would like, dude, he that dude was so gnarly. He would like shit in his hand and throw it at the crowd, and like just fucking gnarliness. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: lo- I love all that stuff. That's, that's like <laughs> what I would read. You know, when you sneak into the library and you're like, you're trying to find all these like the dark corner of the library and you're looking up all this like really ridiculous stuff like gg or whatever you know yeah i was like is this guy for real like is he really eating his own shit like i just those type of things are always they always get to me like i love that
0: yeah all right so a serious question how do you uh do you look at do you take approach this like a nine to five like are you there monday through friday you have set schedules and stuff like that
1: yeah um these days, I kind of trap myself. I got in. I started doing this to try to not have a nine to five. You know, <laughs> I You're do like, know. Yeah, I'm never gonna have to work again. <laughs> I have my own thing and I do whatever I want. And then now it's totally a nine to five. And um, it's only that way, not because I choose for it necessarily, but it is the best way to get work done. And now I have people. We have other people that work at Jenkim and in the office. So you know, I have to just set a normal work schedule with everyone
0: else. Yeah.
1: So like the the main crew, the Genkam crew is pretty much like five per- people deep right now.
0: Nice. That's a good um, team. That's a good team to start there and build up no, it's, and learn. It's
1: great. I'm like so thankful. I come like, in on Monday morning and we have um for better like a staff meeting, like pitch meeting in the mornings from about like eleven o'clock to two, and everyone just has ideas and we just throw them out there. And every time I'm there, I'm, I look around and I'm, it's it's kind of corny to say, but I'm just like, holy shit, like this is we're here, like, how did I end up here? This is amazing. And the fact that these people are so dedicated and they're psyched on it and bring such good ideas, it's just so flattering and so glad that they can be part of, like, the cause, whatever that is, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's amazing, because, like, to create something, to have an idea and to watch it grow and then have other people come in with their talents and to believe in it and then to work right. together, it's, like, a whole nother level to be able to do it like that.
1: Yeah, it's great. And, and these are not people that, it's not like I hired, like, my three best friends. It's like people who believed in it and people from all over and they moved to New York and they eventually, you know, I ended up working with them and you know, I'm just thankful for that. And a lot of them are way better at everything I could or, you know, could ever do. So that's, that's awesome too. You're not, I'm not having, they're teaching me, which is, which is a huge reward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And it's good that you yeah. know, you know that cause some people will hire people and then try to tell them how to do their fucking job. <laughs> I've had no, that happen. I, I want
1: people better than me. I want people to be like, no, you, This is how we should do it. And I want to be like, oh shit, yes, that is how we should do it. And, uh, you know, I, I know I'm good at certain things, but I just was pretty average at most. So I just try to do what I'm good at and try to hire someone better than me at what they're good at or what we're missing for his brand.
0: All right. So this is something I want to talk about from the beginning sure i i went to tampa i want to say it was the last tampa pro you guys had like a best trick and the ladies and stuff kind of explain oh, yeah. how that came to be and like the idea and then how you made it happen <laughs> that was amazing though i was like what's going on <laughs> that's rad. Right.
1: so you were
0: there that Tampa? yeah dude i was up on like i was skating around and shit but i was like kind of lurking up in the crowd like just watching cool man um Cause it was on the big concrete skate park, and those dudes are so gnarly at that that I was just like, I'm not. I'll get hurt. <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> oh, for
1: yeah. That thing was insane, though. That whole course is insane. Too. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Cons does uh, Converse does a uh, like that concrete jam at Tampa every year. You know, the outdoor contest. It's
0: intense. And they got really good audio. It's lit up so well. It's at night, and it's in Tampa. So like. It literally feels like a college show or something. Like, everyone's pushing in towards the concrete. Those dudes are bringing, like... The level of skating is, like, fucking retarded, you know? Like, you're like, holy shit. And you get the chills. And what I really liked about the show, because I look at it as a show, is, like, the music and the intensity. And then when you guys came out, I was like, this is a fucking great show.
1: (laughs) Uh, That that means a lot, man. Because it wasn't... uh, It was was a tricky one to do. There were so many variables that could have gone wrong. You know? And some... Some didn't live up to expectation, and some, you know, went way past it, but um, basically Converse was doing that thing, and they're like, hey, would you want to do anything? And I'm like, as a kid, and the first time I went to Tampa, being one of my major experiences, I'm like, yeah, no-brainer. Like, let's do it. What do you What do you want to do? And they're like, well, we have this contest every year. You know, we do it at the concrete course, but we want to add an element. Like, is there anything you want to add? And I'm like, oh, yeah, let's, let's make an obstacle. And so we had, like, a Monday meeting. We thought of, like, ten different obstacles we could add to that thing, which... There weren't that many opportunities in, in my mind, because, you know, it's a, you can't do a street obstacle, you know? It's a fucking, people are skating it, it's a bowl, it's tranny. Um, so we were like, it has to be some sort of extension, then we're thinking about making a big dick as an extension, like <laughs> a giant penis, and then it damn it like, damn that, <laughs> that one's good, and like, tr- tricks on the tip, you know, like, <laughs> slide on the tip. Bonus and shit. Dude, Not you
0: would have like, made my friends, me and my friends, that would have made our fucking life on the tip. <laughs> Grand the tip. Yeah,
1: like, trip, like, you know, backside lip slide on the tip or whatever. <laughs> and we'll to do that, although then it felt a little too Big Brother. Yeah. Because they really, they they did so much dick stuff and those, like, they really won with that. <laughs> like, so I was like, eh, let's avoid, like, another dick thing. Damn so it. So, then I thought, okay, what if we had Glass as an extension, and had, like, a party behind the glass. And then we kind of ran with that, and we called it the Jenkum Portable Party Extension. So, or the later, I think, um, Schaefer, you know, the the announcer and the owner of, of Skatepark Park Atema made it up the Jenkum VIP room, which was pretty good, too. Yeah. And uh, I wanted it to be, like, a bunch of guy and girl strippers just partying out right behind the glass. So you'd go up and do, like, tricks on it, and they'd just be fucking you know, having the time of their lives behind there with like a disco ball and like strobe lights and stuff. Yeah. Um, that was the idea. And I think we got pretty close. It wasn't perfect. It was a great first run, but the next, if I did it again, I would know exactly how many people I needed, exactly what lights, you know, it's all a learning process. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the, the, the history behind
0: it. What I liked about it was it felt kind of raw. It was like, oh, they're doing something over the top, but it's not, like, perfectly choreographed, because I could tell you were, like, running through it, and you could see that they were going up there, and you were trying to figure out where they should stand, because it's a chaotic show with all the skating, and that wall ride was, like, pretty gnarly. Like, it was good, but, like, it was flexing. That's
1: the thing, like, you never know how gnarly something is, because I couldn't skate it, you know, I don't, like, if it was a flat ground obstacle, I'd be like, okay, the rail's too high, or it's too slippery, or it's too slick. Yeah. But, like, I would never be able to skate that. So, it's hard for me to gauge how big or how small that obstacle was.
0: Dude's got um, fucking gnarly on it, though. The shit that went down yeah. was, like, I'm like, holy yeah. shit. It,
1: thank you. It, it, went, it went great. Um, But, yeah, I would probably make it maybe a little smaller next year, or if I did it again, I'd make it a little different. And uh, it, another funny tidbit was, like, at the end, we lit it on fire. <laughs> and just, like, a tiny amount of fire... But it was because like me and my friend were like, "Fuck! What if this goes wrong? Like the dancers don't go, no one gets tricks. Like what do we do?" And then Schaefer's like, "Ah, fuck it! We'll light it on fire!" And I'm like, uh, <laughs> "Are you saying that, or can I actually do it? Because I didn't know like what the limits were." That's know?
0: what I was gonna ask. I was like, "Did <laughs> you get nervous?"
1: know, he was just like, "Ah, light it on fire!" And I was because a lot of people say stuff at the bar, and you don't know whether to take them seriously. So I was like, okay. And I didn't think we were gonna do it, but we bought a little two cans of lighter fluid in case, like small ass cans. And yeah, halfway through the contest, like it started slowing down. I think there was five minutes left on the clock. And I look at my buddy Alex Raspa, who's who's our filmer. And he's like, "Dude, we gotta do something." And I'm like, "All right, we're going up." So then, we, yeah, I jumped on the ramp and then jumped on the party extension and then just stood there, and I was like, no one else is going to do this, so I have to do it, you know, Gnarly. and lit it, and then I started spraying it out, and then, uh yeah, it worked a little bit, it wasn't as big of a flame as I wanted, but someone took it over, and it was a nice little surprise, it was, it was bootleg, but it worked.
0: Yeah, sick, that's a good time, that's a good way to finish it.
1: Yeah, I was like, yeah, it was good, and, and so those are the, when I'm talking about learning experiences, it's like, that's what I would do better. I'd have, like, ten people up there with fucking, you know, lighter fluid or take gasoline or whatever. Whatever I could get away with to make it, like, really big. Yeah. It's kind of like the first first iteration.
0: Yeah. I, I liked it because it was raw and I was like, this is someone that's just trying something and to me, that's not like... It's not the, your passion's marketing. It's like, let's just try to make something epic and see what happens. That's the Thanks. spirit that I was like, yeah, this is how it should be done, you know? Because it's a, it's a show. It's an experience, you know? Everyone right, wants right. to market and shove it right. down your throat. It's like, why well, don't you just do something authentic and try something and, like, just do it, you know, with your name on it, you know? It's nice. Thanks. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> and it, it did, it did uh, people remembered it. And for someone to remember and mention, like, a thing that went down at, like, a side event at Tampa, it, like, means a lot to me. So, I think we, it worked out in the end.
0: Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. well, I think I've, uh, I mean, we could do this forever, but we'll have to right. do a part two, for sure. Dude,
1: thank you, um, yeah, if there's anything you want to follow up on, or any other questions that didn't come up, just let me know, dude.
0: Well, I um, wanted to, I wanted to say thank you, man, because like, uh, you interviewed me a while back, Escaping Hell, I believe the title was.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, Oh, that
0: was so oh you broke was up not, uh,
1: not because of oh can you hear me yep I can hear you uh, yeah I was just saying that interview was so good you I didn't know your backstory, so when you told me it it was like mind was like oh pff, this guy's got he's got the story dude it was yeah. so good
0: yeah and I want to thank you because seriously like I've gotten the most compliments and the most like feedback from that interview
1: oh hell yeah thank you that's so good to hear man
0: Yeah, it meant a lot to me, because, I don't know, I share my story, and I'm super nervous about it all the time, and I'm trying to figure it out as I go, you know, we're in in motion and trying to not say stupid shit all the time, you know, so, but for you to, like, let me just rant and talk, and, like, you're great at what you do.
1: Oh, dude, thank you. That was, uh, I, that was one that I was really proud of, and it was special to me, because I didn't know about it, and I love... Being able to tell a story that isn't so obvious and that really has something that can you can learn that's bigger than just skateboarding. Yeah, you know? fucking. And it. that was that was your story. It's like all those, the deba- you know, all those tales and like what you came from. It's like someone can take something from that and it's not just kickflips and it's not just what boards you ride. You know? Yeah, and
0: that means a lot to me because skateboarding, yeah. skateboarding is bigger than just tricks. You know, like when it's right. when it's just about tricks, that means people are trying to package it up and market it to you because it's easier that way. Right. So to like have like authenticity and just talk about stuff and be a little raw and edgy and try shit like that's in the spirit of skateboarding for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. That's
1: that's that's the best. Yeah, thank you, man. I'm
0: glad you brought that up. No, and th- and awesome. Thank you so much for keeping in that spirit and keeping this going and like I to me I'm always like I want more people to do stuff like you're doing, you know? Like more skateboarders that live it and love it. And actually give back to skateboarding because it, it takes on. You have to take on responsibility to build these platforms and to look at something you love as work. You have to like kind of go. Okay, I'm gonna handle the pressure and responsibility that it comes with. And who knows if it grows or nothing? Like it's a lot of for risk sure. with very little re- reward. You know, you got to be a little crazy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you do have to be with anything. You know, if you're going for it and you. Re- I mean, you've done how many? You said two hundred something. Yeah, months? yeah, yeah. I mean, you're doing that. No, very few people do something that many times. Anything. Yeah. You know, even like a yoga class or the gym or whatever, trying to stick to a, a salad, whatever, a diet. It's like you've done something 200 times That's that takes you out of your comfort zone and that takes a massive amount of work. So I think that's how you do it. You just keep doing it. Yeah. Not to drag it on, but like a lot of people are like, oh, what was like the turning point or like a big break or something? And it's like there really hasn't been a turning point or big break. It's just... If you do enough of something, it all just adds up. It's like one brick at a time, pretty much. Yeah,
0: and you're not dragging it on. I like this. Um, yeah. I agree, because yeah. if you love something, you're not going to give up on it, you know? Like, right. if it's really, like, if it's uh, something you really desire and you really need it in your life and you figure that out and you want to work at it, like, you're going to hit walls and keep getting over it. And you're never going to really feel like you made it, because you're going to keep wanting to, like, grow the thing and move it and see where it can go, the potential of it, you know? Like... I think that's just people's, people talk about what they want and their dreams and shit without actually have having done the work, like you were saying, you know? So, right. if you just get in deep with the work and figure it out, and you'll just, like you said, you'll just keep at it, and you'll keep it in your right. life, you know? So,
1: Yeah, people start to notice, and it, you don't need, you know, someone to shout you out, like, It just, it happens when people say you're consistent and you keep showing up and then people are like, okay, he's, he's doing it for real or she's doing it for real.
0: Yeah. And if you, if, if whatever your passion project is, or if you can make your work, your passion, like it's like basically your life, you know, like you're not going to give up at life. You're going to try to keep getting better. Right. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing is like, if we let people focus on what they love and you know, if people can figure that out and then then we can find ways to help them monetize it or work in that and work at it then they can just keep progressing as a human and getting better and better and better, and it, so will your business, you know? Because if you love something... For sure. Hell yeah. Well, keep it up. <laughs> cool, man.
1: appreciate it. Yeah, i got to get some lunch. I'm fading out.
0: Yeah, no worries. Um, one second. Uh, last thing before we go. If people yeah. want to check anything out, where would you plug? The social media, the website, all that stuff?
1: Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, plugs, jenkinmag.com. And across socials, it's just at Jenkem Mag, J E N K E M M A G.
0: And your uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram?
1: That's everything. Nice. And my my name's Ian Mishna, but I don't really have. Uh, so I try to just keep Jenkem as my socials. I don't really have socials.
0: Nice. Hashtag. Yeah. I mean, I have like I have
1: like a Facebook. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's cool. Well, sick yeah. people, check it out, and uh, yeah, just keep killing it, and we'll catch up soon.
1: Yeah, I appreciate
0: it. Thank you again. One second,
1: one
0: second, alright? Yeah. I just want to say goodbye without recording. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just because, like, you know, I mean, not that there's a difference, but just, thank you.
1: No, no, it's better, dude. I'm psyched. Yeah, I was, uh, I I was kind of on autopilot, but I hope you got something there. I don't know if I was saying anything worthwhile.
0: Oh, no, you nailed it. it. That was a great conversation. That was awesome.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. You never know sometimes until you do it or you're on the other side of it. Like, it's hard for me to judge. I'm a better interviewer than an interviewee, you know?
0: Yeah. The more I do this interviewing thing, I'm just realizing that people, like, because I consume podcasts as much as I create them, so, like... All, all people are really looking for is like an honest, sincere conversation about life or anything, you Stuff, know? Like, some, yeah. some, some substance, and if you're an honest person, like, it comes out even if you're exhausted, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: that's the thing I was just trying to be like, alright, how would I tell a friend this, you know? Yeah. Cause you're not gonna lie to your friends, you know? If you go on stage and you do an interview, you might be like, oh shit, I gotta like perform for these people. But it's like, all right, let me just think of you, and it's easy because you know you're very likable. It's like, all right, yeah, you're my friend. How do I just tell my
0: friend? Yeah, I appreciate that because that that's what yeah. people need to hear. Like, especially if you have a brand or you're trying to build something, it's like your character should be kind of attached to it. Like, that's what, right. You know, that's why I like you said that you don't have that many socials for yourself, but it's Jankum, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jenkin's ultimately my voice on steroids. It's just, it's that, but I just twist it up a little bit, you know?
0: That's sick. <laughs> yeah,
1: because I think that's anything with the brand. If you look at, like, um, Bronze, for instance. Bronze is Peter's voice, but just cracked up, you know? Just cranked up. Yeah. like awesome. if you saw him in a bar, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's the Bronze guy. But when you talk to him, and then you hear a couple things he has to say, and you're like, oh, that's his view of the world. But it's just, he he pushes it up.
0: Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know what I wanted to ask you about? I'll ask yeah. you. Is, uh... Is Tim still doing a podcast? I haven't seen anything.
1: He is. He's just. He's just. It's kind of like uh, as it comes, you know. Few and far between. Think, yeah. Well, we have one with Fred Gall coming out next week, which is good. Nice. Uh, but it's like, um, it's. I think it's kind of just like a passion, you know, passion project. Yeah. He's doing it in between kids and you know uh, responsibilities.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate that he's even uh, taking it on, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. I'm just like the more people overall listening to, like a lot of people. When the Nine Club came around, a lot more people are listening to podcasts, and that means a lot more people are listening to both Tim and yourself. So it's great.
0: Yeah, I've been trying to use yeah. my uh, my I've been trying to use my podcast as a platform for those around me as well. Like the kids that are coming up and skating, I have like all them on and try to like allow them to develop their character and learn how to communicate. Like even That's if they're crazy. not famous, you know, I'm just like. If the people, if pe- the more people know, I want to turn everyone pro basically, like, right, right. <laughs> cause I have, I'm brand manager of a world and I have my own and I'm like, how can I grow all this so I can like help people get their dreams happening, you know? Right. That's, uh, so funny. that's why I was like, I'll preach you. I'm always preachy cause I'm dealing with young kids and I'm like, we can do this. We just have to and figure them up. yeah, we got to figure out a way and you got to actually look at it like work. It's hard to convince them of that looking at their passion as work cause they're young, you know? Yeah. How, like, a lot of people, it's hard for them to find purpose, like, you you seem to have it, and I have it, so, like, we but... We got
1: lucky, or for, for, fortunate to have been able to find it, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, agreed. So, I'm just trying to help these dudes around me, but it's sick, because if you do a podcast, and I've had over, like, some of the biggest names on skateboarding on the podcast, and then I, those kids see that, and then they come on the show, and they're all from these states nearby, and I do this contest as well, so, like, we have this Tampa-style contest every year. Like, I'm just trying to build a whole skate world industry in the Northeast so it can grow. Because it, it never was here. Like, I had to go to California to make it. No,
1: that's what's so inspiring. And that's what's so rad that we're not to blow smoke up our own asses. But it's, like, it's great we both get to do this. Yeah, you know? yeah. And yeah. we get to put ourselves on the map.
0: Yeah, it's super It's super important for those around us, too. That's, that's why I appreciate it so much. Because, dude, my whole thing is, like, as I get older, I'm 35. And, like... I've always just loved skating like I don't give a fuck if there's money in it or anything like I just love skateboarders and skating because they're some of the best people what it takes to be a skateboarder is like it just takes a lot of passion and dedication you know this. Right. And uh, I just want that to grow. That should be the motivation, you know? So, like, that's why I'm always surprised when, like, these pros or dudes that want to be pros, I'm like, you need to, like, build a platform to put the light on people around you, too. Because why the right. fuck are they going to buy your shit if they don't know you? Like, everyone's marketing and selling something. Like, why don't you just be yourself and share that with other people, you know? Like, mm-hmm. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I know. You look up there, I think it's hard for people to realize they have value in themselves. Like, that's one of those things is like, you have to like, you know, like a lot of people have egos. It's like a facade, you know, like they just build themselves up and peacock because they're scared to be vulnerable. But I don't, I don't know. I'm like, you guys are so valuable to me. Like some of my favorite pros, I'm like, you, you don't understand how much you meant to me.
1: (laughs) Right. No, that's, that's the biggest thing is, is that you have to be honest with yourself. And be honest with others, and that's where the value comes in. Yeah. When you're peacocking, it's really hard. It's just like, fuck. You're not going to get through to him, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> fuck it. Yeah. Well, thank you, yeah. man. Last thing before we go for those of you that would like to support the show, please check out skate.com and that's the most direct way to support the show. Thank you for listening. Get all I need, like-